Well, we, we are going to be heading into our message, Law. We've been doing this new series for, for this month called Law. Uh, love always wins. That's the series, Law. And, and I know you're going to enjoy this. As, um, as, um, there's been a lot of preparation going on in the background. And as you know, we're in level two. What is level two? And level two is a bit more exciting. It means we can just go straight into the to countdown <laughs> and to pack and save, but lining up. But there's still some restrictions in some of the smaller stores, right? We still have to wait. So and so, but you know, during this whole time of the lockdown, it hasn't been easy for some some families. It's been hard, and we've just heard of. Uh, um, or in fact, we hear many stories. We hear of Brindley, where where uh, she's just been made redundant. In fact, a lot of families are starting to be made redundant. It's a hard time. It's been tough on a lot of people, struggling just to make ends meet. Man, for others, it's a real slowdown, right? And it's kind of like a forced stop of work. And that's what happened during the first part of the lockdown, level four, right? Level four, level three. It was like a forced stop, a stop from work. And in Hebrew, the word to stop or to cease from is the word Shabbat, Shabbat, right? And the word Shabbat is where we get our English word Sabbath. So Sabbath means to stop or to cease from. So what's been really amazing is that the whole world has had a Sabbath of a sorts. The whole world has been forced to Shabbat, to stop, to Sabbath. This thing called sports, this, this, this worldly God called sports has come to a grinding halt. Who would have thought that rugby would stop, that football will stop? Who would have thought that something could stop these things? And, and even the porn industry, that has come to a stop. It's, it's as if that God has toppled the world's idols and the world, world's gods. It's, God has toppled them. And it's kind of like God is grabbing our attention. He's grabbing our attention saying, stop and know that I am God. Well, before we had this for Sabbath, you know, and in our society, there's this underlying expectation of go, 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 right? And it's, it's like, what's, what is that saying? You know, no rest for the wicked or no rest for the saints if you're a Christian, right? Uh, and rest is considered this indulgent. And for most people, we kind of feel guilty uh, when we do take a minute for ourselves. Work and school, they're non-negotiables. And if you're a parent, you have even less rest. You know what I'm talking about? And those parents out there, out there, you know what I'm talking about. The concept of slowing down can be foreign or can seem very hard to obtain. With babies to feed, bills to pay, new jobs to perform in. How are we even expected to rest? And yet God has called you to Shabbat, has called us to Sabbath. So as we said, we're in week two of our series, Law, Love Always Wins. So today we're going to explore this powerful concept in the Bible that many of us today take for granted, or many of us, we don't have too much understanding around this word Sabbath. What is Sabbath? When is it? What does it mean? And why does the Old Testament make a big deal about observing it? And why do many Christians today don't? Are we supposed to observe it? Is Sabbath now on a Sunday? When is it Sabbath? So when we turn to the first pages of our Bibles, in the book of Genesis, God creates and begins to create, and He creates in six days. And in six days, after each day, it's, it's marked with this phrase, there was evening and there was morning. 
And the amazing thing happened on the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested. He stopped. He Shabbat. He Sabbath. He stopped. And he entered his creation like a king, entering his throne room to rest and to rule. And God does this rest and rule with humanity and invites us. He invites mankind right from the beginning, right from the beginning, to come in and enjoy his rest and to rule with him. So, so humanity gets this, gets this, um, um, this, this job role to, to be a king with God and to rule within this, within this time of this, this, this ultimate Sabbath rest. And it's really interesting because that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it does not appear on the seventh day. It's, it's as if God had designed the seventh day to never stop to be all eternal, the Sabbath day rest where we can come in as humanity. We can come into God's rest and enjoy the abundance of Eden, enjoy the abundance of food, and never to worry because God will supply all our needs, that we live under God's authority. And this special seventh day rest was meant to go on forever. But as we read in the Bible, and as we know today, that it came to a stop. And the seventh day rest, the special day that God sent, set apart for all of us to enjoy, was lost. How was it lost? While humanity decided that we wanted to rule on our own. We, wanna, we wanted to rule on our own accord. And, you know, isn't this true of ourselves, right? You, can, you know, we don't like people telling, you can't tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule my own kingdom. And no one's going to tell me, not even God's going to tell me what to do. Because I'm going to do things my own way. So humanity steps out of this ideal seventh day rest and begins to toil the ground to survive. Well, you know, humanity may have lost their hope in God. But God has never once lost his hope in you and i love this because god begins to sit in motion sets in motion again that one day humanity will, will return to this ideal seventh day rest with him and so to remember the seventh day rest and to anticipate its coming again god god told israel to stop on the seventh day and to rest from work he told israel to observe the sabbath so the sabbath day was the symbol the Sabbath day was the symbol. One day a week, six days to work, but on the seventh day, it is dedicated to me. It's a, it's a day where we will anticipate that one day, this ultimate seventh day rest will come. So for thousands of years, Israel has been anticipating the hopes of the return of the seventh day rest by observing the Shabbat, the Sabbath day rest. And I love what Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel how he described the Sabbath. He described the Sabbath as a cathedral in time in which we build. This is what he said. The Sabbath is to time what the tabernacle and the temple are to space, a cathedral in time. And, and when we think of the tabernacle and the temple, this was a physical place. or It was to represent Eden, what we had lost the temple and tabernacle that God set up in the Bible was the sacred place where heaven and earth met. And it was this picture that one day that we to humanity can one day enter in God's rest again. So Sabbath was the time 
what the tabernacle and the temple are to space, a cathedral in time. So in the Bible, the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. That's how day starts. So the day starts at night, which is very strange for us because for us, our day starts from when we think in the Western world and we think our day starts in the, in the daylight. Well, in the Bible, it starts from night. It was, it was, the phrase says it was evening and then it was morning. So when we look at it, our day starts out of a rest. That's a good way to look at it, that our day starts from a rest. So, so the Sabbath, the seventh day, the seventh day was from Friday evening and finishes on Saturday night. That's the Sabbath day, from Friday evening and finishes up on a Saturday. It, it's not a Sunday. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sabbath is basically a Saturday, from Friday evening to Saturday evening. That's the Sabbath. So for Jewish people, how they observe the Sabbath, it kind of looks like this. This is what it looks like to them. It's kind of like, so Friday afternoon, Sabbath is, is, is coming. They're anticipating the Sabbath. So they're rushing around. They're going to the supermarket. They're doing the grocery, um, they're doing the grocery um, shopping. It's kind of like us on Christmas Eve, right? Because Christmas Day, everything's closed. And so when you go down to the shopping market, the supermarket, it's busy. Everybody's even trying to get in the car park. People are in Countdown, uh, New World, the meat store. It's crazy because everybody's anticipating that the stores are going to be closed. This is what it's like for a Jewish person on Friday afternoon. It's busy. They're hustling about getting their shopping because as soon as evening comes, everything stops. Everything stops because for, for a Jewish person, they've got to cease from work. They've got a Shabbat. And that what, what that means for us today, it means no driving. So if you want to observe the Bible, if you want to observe the Sabbath day, like how a Jewish person will observe the Sabbath day, no driving, no technology, no Netflix, no checking your email, no watching TV, no checking your phone, no technology, no driving. It's a day set apart, dedicated for God. So, so this is what this, how the Sabbath day happens. Friday evening happens. They light a the candle. To signify the start of the Sabbath day. Light this candle. And they have this feast. Man, that's my kind of celebration. Have a feast of Marcus. And then they have prayer. They, say the, they pray the Shema. Uh, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God of all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. They say the Shema. And then they, have, they sing songs and hymns. And then they wake up on Saturday. They go to the synagogue. They, and they have a service. They read from the Torah, from the Word of God. They sing psalms, they pray together, and then they come home, they have lunch, or they might go for a picnic, they might go for a walk. The point is, it's a day set apart to worship and to pray, to read. And then they'll end that day, they end the day with this another meal. Great word. And then they have the ceremony of blowing out the candle and to say goodbye to the Sabbath and with anticipating of the next Sabbath day to come. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day set apart for God. The Sabbath is the time what the tabernacle and the temple are to space, a cathedral in time. So Sunday church, Sunday church is not a Sabbath day. The first Christians, the New Testament Christians, they were Messianic Jews. So they would observe the Sabbath on the Saturday. But then on Sunday, they would come together. And in fact, in the book of Jude, it describes it as the Garpe feast or the love feast, which kind of means something else in today's time, have this love feast. And, and so Sunday was this time of coming together and remembering the love of Jesus. And this is where we get our tradition, our tradition of meeting on a Sunday, because the early Christians will meet together on a Sunday 
to celebrate Jesus. Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Sunday was a day where we celebrated the love of Jesus, where believers came together. So Sunday is not a replacement of the Sabbath. Sabbath is, fri- is sundown Friday, the sundown Saturday. But Sunday is a day where believe- believers come together to celebrate the love of Jesus. This is what we're doing today. We're, do- we're celebrating something on Sunday that Christians have been celebrating since the New Testament time. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's because life shouldn't be just one day bleeding into the next. Honestly, that's what it feels like, doesn't it, sometimes? Life shouldn't be this long, grudging march of endless toil. We're meant for so much more. And to help us remember that God gave, to help us remember this special day, that, Israel, that God gave Israel the Sabbath day. He also gave them these seven sacred festivals, these, these feasts. We've had the, it's like the Passover, um, the, the unleavened bread, that, that, that's one festival. We, we've had the f- uh, first fruits, the day of Pentecost, trumpets, we, um, the day of atonement, the, um, the festival of tabernacle, and the Sabbath day, these seven feasts, all pointing towards the seventh day ideal rest. All these festivals marked out in the, in the Jewish calendar was pointing people, well, the signposts pointing them to the ultimate Sabbath day. Not only that, every seven years, was a Sabbath rest year where the land will rest for a whole year. If you had slaves, they were released. If you owed people money, you will release them from that. Debts are set free. You're forgiven. All these things are released. The seventh day Sabbath year. This amazing thing. And it just didn't just stop there. But seven, the seventh year, the Sabbath year, seven years times seven, 49 years. This was leading to the ultimate Sabbath day. The 49th year. So on the 49th year, on the seventh month. So you see this word seven. It's got this thing right through the Bible. The word seven means complete. So on the 49th year, seven times seven, 49. On the 49, on, at the seventh, on the seventh month, on the day of atonement, they will blow these trumpets. And what they do, they, they will begin to usher in this new year. So halfway in the year, they start the, a new year early. And they call this the 50th year. And this year, it's a special year. It's called the year of Jubilee. The special Sabbath, the super Sabbath, the ultimate Sabbath, the Sabbath of Sabbath. And it was this picture of pointing towards that when one day that God will bring the ultimate seventh day rest that that mankind can again enter in God's rest. And the prophets, they pointed to and they talked about this ultimate Sabbath, this Jubilee this jubilee in fact isaiah 61 speaks of the jubilee isaiah 61 it's incredible isaiah is pointing to this day that one day the servant of the lord the messiah will come and he'll bring hope to the nations and that he will he will announce the year of the lord's favor the ultimate jubilee the ultimate sabbath pointing towards the ultimate day of the lord's favor when when one one day mankind can once again enter into the seventh day rest the ultimate rest isaiah 61 you've got to read i want you to make sure you read isaiah 61 in your in your own time but what's really really interesting is that in the gospel of luke the first story about jesus going public he goes to the synagogue when does he go on sabbath so the day when jesus marks his public ministry what day does he choose 
He chooses the Sabbath, the Sabbath day. So he enters into the synagogue. They hand him a scroll and he ends up reading out loud from the Isaiah scroll. So when he opens up the Isaiah scroll and guess where it lands and it's where what we will call Isaiah 61. Yeah, and, you, and guess what? That's all about the seven times seventh year of the Jubilee, the ultimate Sabbath. So let us read Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And this is what it says. So talking of Jesus, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Jesus went to the Sabbath. He observed the Sabbath, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Now, when the Bible talks about the, this word poor, this isn't just talking about financially struggling. It's not talking about financially struggling. What's it talking about is, is those who are at the bottom of society, the outcasts, those that are deemed unworthy. Have you ever felt unworthy before? Have you ever felt not good enough? That God had come for those who, who, for God has not come for those who stand in the light of their own righteousness, but God has come for those who have done so poorly that they needed a gift. They needed a gift of righteousness. They needed a gift of grace. Do you need a gift of grace today? Do you need a gift of grace right now? Because every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. Every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. And he reads on and he goes and he says this. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Your past does not define you. Did you hear me? Your past do not, does not define you. Your past does not define your future. It does not. Whatever has held you captive, it's time to be free. And he reads on. And recovery of the sight to the blind to let the oppressed Go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In verse 20, love this. And he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the, the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of all those of the, in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is what he says. This, this is honestly, this, will, this, blow, this blew everybody's mind. Then he began to say to them, this is what he said to them. Today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if there, was an ancient, if there ever was an ancient microphone, this will be the moment where Jesus will drop the microphone in the synagogue and walk out. This is the drop mic moment. Oh my goodness. Did Jesus really say that? He said, today, this has been fulfilled in your presence. What Jesus is saying, he's saying that he is the Jubilee. He is the ultimate jubilee. He is the one that the law has been talking about. He is the one that the prophets have been talking about. He is the one that everybody's been proclaiming. He is the one and through him that the seventh day rest will come. And through him you would experience the seventh day rest through Jesus. In fact, Jesus would go on to say, Jesus would go on to say that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Jesus confronted disorder and darkness and in all its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even death itself. That's why Jesus says that the, that the scripture is fulfilled. The Jubilee, the Sabbath of Sabbath. Remember, the Sabbath, the Jubilee, all these were pictures, were symbols pointing, pointing to the day, pointing to Jesus. The Sabbath day was pointing to Jesus. The Jubilee was pointing to Jesus. All these festivals, these feasts, the Passover, the Day of Atonement, all these were symbols pointing to Jesus. Jesus says, I have come and I have fulfilled it. Let me tell you something. You know, you don't put up signs saying, this way to Hamilton, in the middle of Hamilton. And the reason why you don't, you don't put up signs saying, this way to Hamilton, on the way to Hamilton, the reason you don't, you don't do that is because you're already in Hamilton. So here's the thing. The Sabbath has been fulfilled. So do we need to observe the Sabbath? And the answer is no. And, and the reason why is because Jesus is the Sabbath. It is here. It has arrived. Observing the Sabbath was pointing towards, pointing to Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. It's now. You can enter in God's peace now. This ultimate seventh day rest ideal, you can enter it now through Jesus. So we no longer need to observe the Sabbath. We no longer need to observe all these festivals, the Passover, the tabernacles, all these things, the Jubilee, because Jesus has come to fulfill it. But here's another question. Can I still observe it? And the answer is, yes, of course you can. Why not? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. In fact, you can do it, on, you can do it any day. To sit back and to observe and to... Isn't it? It's a beautiful thing because it's pointing towards Jesus. We come together. We set aside just thinking of Jesus. So if you want to, go for it. You can do it. Man, why not? It's beautiful. I love how Jesus timed his death. He timed his death to take place at the end of the week. At the end of the week, right? So his body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath. His body rested during the Sabbath. And on the eighth day, which is the first day of the week, which is a Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection is the first day of the new creation where God's light and life broke into the darkness. Because of the resurrection, we have the hope and God's promise of a future rest. But here's the thing. If Jesus ushered in this ultimate rest, then why do we still experience and struggle pain today? Well, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of this real rest. How? By following Him. He invites us to follow His example because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to bring the good news to the poor, to welcome every form of society, even those you don't agree with, even those who have a different color, different color of skin, a different belief, even those who wear burqas. The Spirit of God is upon you to bring good news to the poor, to those who are on the bottom of society, those that society deems unworthy. He's called you to bring the good news to them. He has sent you to proclaim release to the captives, 
I love this. How do you enter into the rest? By forgiving. Letting go those that owe you. I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore. Forgiveness is identifying specifically, specifically what has offended me. Let me ask you something. What has offended you? Can you identify it? Because that's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness identifies specifically what has offended you. It's identifying what has offended me and deciding you don't owe me. You don't owe me anymore. I'm cancelling the debt. This is the Jubilee. This is the Sabbath. This is how you can enter into God's rest today by cancelling the debt. I will not be ruled by this anymore. It's not going to follow me into my next relationship. It's not going to follow me into my next marriage. It's not going to impact any way on how I discipline my children. You don't owe me. You are forgiven. I am cancelling the debt. This is how we enter in God's rest today. By cancelling the debt. You don't owe me. I'm releasing you. This is the day of the Lord's favor. Every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. This is the day of the Lord's favor. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is not your, your, is not your average preacher. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the resurrection. He is the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 9, when Jesus got ready to tell everybody who he was, he said, I am the gate. If you want to come in, come on in. If religion has locked you out, come on in. If sin has kept you out, come on in. I am the gate. Your ex-husband is not. Your dad who was never there is not. Your own opinion of yourself is not. I am the gate. And when I open a door in your life, no mistake, no sickness, no situation, even if they roll the stone to seal the entrance on Friday. This is the day of the Lord's favor. When I speak, the resurrection power is inside of you. This is the day of the Lord's favor. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says this, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Will you enter in God's rest today? Because that's what I want. I'm canceling the debt. Nobody owes me. You don't owe me. I'm letting go to be free. I'm stepping into my purpose. This is what entering the seventh day rest looks like. It's stepping into your purpose. It's stepping into your forgiveness. It's letting go. Stepping in to be free. Every Christian has a past and every sinner has a future. That's the law. Because love always wins. This is the day of the Lord's favor.